So hello and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast, Detention Live. My name is Michael. I'm here tonight with guest co-host Mo Poplar and guest, or should say regular co-host Chris Burlew. Uh, and in fact, we'll just start with that announcement. It's, you know, it's earth shattering, but Chris is going to be the official detention co-host going forward. Uh, Yay. This started out as a show that had two regular hosts, Yay. and then we'd bring in a third guest co-host, and we're, we're slowly getting back to that. So uh, for the foreseeable future, it will be Chris and I. Uh, and then and again, as I mentioned, tonight's guest co-host is Mo. Mo, say hello to everybody. Hey, everybody. Happy uh, Wednesday. I hear it's quite snowing in a lot of places. I, we're supposed to start getting snow right about now, at least according to the weather. Whether, you know, again, those are always hit or miss, but uh, it's been... Not as bad here as it is a lot of places, of course, but uh, it's we've been pretty much locked in. We lost power Monday night about 11 o'clock, and it was out to about 6 a.m. that morning. And we knew it might be coming, so we actually turned our heat up. So it was like 76 degrees in the house. We were like sweating crazy. But by the time wow. the, the heat came back on, it was down into like the low 50s. And we basically slept through it. We just all piled on the same bed. We covered ourselves up with all of our blankets, had the dog and cat with us, and we pretty much <laughs> slept through it. But again, we're the lucky ones that we got it back on in such a short time. It could have been a lot worse than that. Uh, before we get too much further, yeah. just a quick yeah. announcement. That's in prayers to those who don't have uh, it. Absolutely. Yes. Yes, I said thoughts and prayers to folks who, who don't have power. <laughs> yes. Uh, we have a, a close friend of ours, patron, uh, Big Al is in Texas. He's okay, but uh, Texas in particular, there's a lot of people there that are, are in trouble. And sadly, it doesn't look like uh, things are going to get better anytime soon for them. Uh, but for tonight, we're going to focus hopefully on some positive stuff. I want to mention that we are currently at 497 twitch followers and we set a goal about five years ago when we started this channel that when we got to 500 not thinking it would take us five years to get there uh to do a giveaway so we are now just three followers away from 500 when we get there we're going to give away a copy of the DD rule cyclopedia this is a print on demand version you can get through draft through rpg this is where i got this one uh this is a book that it was near and dear to my heart i played that version of the game for a long time i had the original version of the book all through college and then I got rid of it for some stupid reason and have regretted it. And when I saw there was a print-on-demand option available, I got it. It's a pretty good reprint. There's a few pages that are a little bit fuzzy, but it's definitely good enough to get to love and to play. Uh, and so I'll happily give, this, give a copy of this away to someone once we get three more Twitch followers. Uh, so with that out of the way, we're going to start, as we usually do here, with extracurricular so this is a point where we just kind of talk about what we've been up to lately, what we, you know, what we're interested in. Uh, this could be books, TV, movies, uh, sound, you know, CD, soundtrack, whatever you'd like to talk about. Uh, Mo, you have an RPG. We're going to talk a little bit more of that later. But if you want to slide in a plug here for that, as well as any other thing else you, you do, you're welcome to do so. Uh, and with that, I will start with you, Mo. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about your game and then what you've been up to. Um, I am the designer of uh, Shibuyan Knights uh, RPG set in a um, kind of steampunk modern Japan. Um, so, you know, just I, I, I lived in Japan for a couple of years and, you know, so, stuff just chews at you for, for, for at this point, decades. Mm. And uh, I, I finally in November uh, released this game. And so, you know, I've been playing it and running it and um, just kind of. Uh, I released it in November and kind of just coming down off of the whole RPG development 
<laughs> cycle of, mm-hmm. you know, is this copy done and ready and no, no typos and ready to ship. So uh, I have definitely been sighing in relief uh, while watching, you know, Mando, um, Scarlet Witch, or Scarlet, uh, WandaVision, WandaVision. Um, you know, uh, I, I had, I still have the original uh, Vision and Scarlet Witch uh, miniseries um, where uh, stuff happens that looks like it may be happening here too. So mm-hmm. I'm really excited watching it. Like, I love how the, uh, Marvel's just remixing stuff. Um, I got a family. So, you know, a lot of my time that I'm not gaming out here in the garage, um, I'm uh, kind of putting in, in, in the good good time with the family. So uh, I live in Southern California and this time of year is pretty fantastic because we can put on our wetsuits and go to the beach and do some boogie boarding, or we could go to the mountains and do some sledding. Um, I'm trying to get my kid into snowboarding and uh, at my age, snowboarding kind of hurts. So um, I, <laughs> I understand that it's uh it's all kind of fun, but yeah, just, um, you know, it's it's a weird time. Um, not getting together with friends, not uh, hanging out. I did an online con this past weekend, Strategic Con, mm-hmm. and uh, that was good fun. I played a um, pretty cool game from uh, a zine called uh, Feminism. Um, and that one. yeah, it, it 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 was really weird and really cool. Um, I think it's called Two Reunion. And, you know, just real kind of loosey-goosey story game, um, which is great for playing on Zoom because Mm -hmm. it's like, all right, we don't need to, like, spend hours building a character. We don't need to um, kind of worry about all these rules. You know, there are a couple mechanics, and they get you three hours down the road having told a really interesting story, um, sadly, without combat in this particular case. (laughs) um, Combat can be overrated. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's everything's good in, in, in moderation. So, um, yeah, just been doing a, a lot of cool, fun stuff. Um, and, you know, been kind of locked in my house in the epicenter of uh, COVID in Los Angeles. And, you know, uh, I've developed uh, way too many games at this point. Even my kid's trying to develop games. Oh, nice. That's like, exciting. He's like, I, I, I want one where dragons fight. I'm like, all right, well, get out, man. <laughs> who, who doesn't want that? <laughs> this will sell yeah. <laughs> uh, quick shout out to Targris for joining us sorry for your uh, twitch ad before you jumped in but uh you know that if, if that helps them pay the bills and then someday eventually we might actually get some of that money hopefully it's worth it but either way happy to have you with us uh so chris what about you sir what have you been up to lately a lot of work with a company being bought twice so i've been going through two transitions and all sorts of fun stuff uh, when I have a little bit of time, my new little thing is uh, I've been going on YouTube and uh, looking up some of my favorite rock bands, the cover songs people are doing of them now. Mm-hmm. So it's really neat to hear, you know, Tool and Guns N' Roses and stuff being redone by groups now. Uh, so it's kind of neat for me. Mm-hmm. Kill a few minutes here and there. Yeah. Uh, still keeping up with, well, a little bit with WandaVision. I'm an episode behind. Yeah. I know. No spoilers. Yep, no spoilers. I had to, had to work this weekend, so couldn't watch it. Um, otherwise... Just trying to get back into life. You know, we've got probably two feet of snow outside, so we've been doing a lot of shoveling. Nice. Michigan's got a little bit of snow, but we're used to it. Hmm. So. How about you? What have you been up to? Uh, 
so as I had shared with both of you before we started recording and, and on the Discord, I got the initial sketch back today for the cover of Action 12 Cinema, which is that RPG I've been kind of half-assed developing for a while now. And I'm actually hoping that maybe this year with the year I can take it to Kickstarter. And it blew me away. I mean, it's it's just the initial sketch. There's going to be stuff done to it. But just right off the bat, I just love it so much. And it just it's it's a real thing. Like I can see a thing that only exists because I wanted it to. And that actually, I got like a jolt of energy and excitement from that today to help me get back into the designing aspect of the game. Uh, we had the first official beta test this past weekend. Someone on Discord, patron of ours, ran it with their home group. And it went really well. Everyone had a great time. There was some feedback more for how the rules are presented and clarifications than like problems with it, which to me is like absolutely the best case scenario I could uh, think of. And I'll misquote it, but one of the players paraphrased was this would be a great low risk avenue to start DMing. And that's absolutely one of the things I'm going for in the game because it's, quote unquote, a GMless game where everyone kind of rotates the responsibility. So to have someone that didn't know that was one of my design goals to just basically quote back that that's something they saw in that experience. Again, I I could not be happier right now with with where the game is and and where I'm hoping to see it go. Uh, Definitely watch it. One division. I am addicted to that show. I'm addicted to the talking and theorizing. Uh, like normally I'm kind of spoiler averse. I try very hard not to get spoiled on like movies and you know, like stranger things. I'll, I'll binge watch all stranger things in one or two settings. Cause I don't want to get spoiled or anything, but I am absolutely enjoying the process of talking about each of these episodes and what we think is happening almost as much as I am the show itself. Not quite. Cause I'm loving the show. And the way I would, I have said it is this show does almost exactly what I expect each week but it yet surprises me in the way that it does it. And I think that's to like most point that it's sort of mixing things together. So the ingredients I'm kind of familiar with, but they're presenting them to me in a different presentation than I was expecting and just absolutely loving that show. So uh, thrilled to death with that. And honestly, that's about it. I'm still doing the farm to fable podcast. uh, So uh, we missed a recording because of the weather, so I doubled up and just want to try to get two recorded this coming week. And then uh, the patron, I'll finish up the patron one-on-one chats are still going well. I did one with Mo just a few weeks ago, and that's actually what led to him being here because I was so impressed with him and excited to share some of the things he's been working on. And uh, we ran out of patrons, unfortunately, that would sign up for them. So now we've what? rotated and we're doing faculty so I had an ep- uh, episode with Caleb, which was fantastic. I absolutely love getting back on the mics with him. It's been way too long. And then I've got uh, one and another I'm trying to get scheduled. So just a lot of podcasty stuff. Uh, oh, and the last thing is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I- I'm-, I'm binge watching oh. tons of shows that I've you know, either fell off on or never got quite through. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I watched as it was coming out like the first two or three seasons and then fell off. And now that it's all done on Netflix, I've started over. And the number one thing I will say is it absolutely makes me want to run a game like that, which also mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm. falls into that Wanda vision in a little bit is I want to run a show about the people who are around the super powered stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think that could be a ton of fun. Yeah. They do a um, TV I, series like that. I'm sorry. Were, didn't they do a TV series with, Oh, they were cleaning up after superheroes. Uh, right. Well, yeah, the, well there was, they started to do a damage control show yeah. But I don't think it ever actually came out. And then there was a DC version of a show 
that was originally going to be something like that, and they changed it, and then it became like a tech uh, company that was like inventing technology in the world of superheroes and then it's like sometimes there'd be like crossovers like it was like bruce wayne's cousin who was running the company <laughs> it was actually kind of funny it it wasn't a great show i think it lasted like half of one season but i actually i would have kept watching it. i thought it was kind of fun it had alan tudyk in it who i absolutely adore yes. uh vanessa hudginson was like the star mm-hmm. and then uh danny pooty who i know from community was one of the cast members can't remember the name of the show but uh i, I liked it yeah, it's really sad how people won't lean into the nerddom, you know? Like when Iron Man came out, like John Favreau got in there, he got real nerdy, and people were like, Iron Man, third tier superhero, da 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 da. And like now we got the Marvel Universe. And I felt like they they kind of they they started off Agents of Shield kind of like that, you know, and that um I remember seeing the trailers on the DVD extras mm-hmm. of maybe it was Avengers and it's like, we're going to go find, you know, the leftovers from the invasion. And, you know, it seemed pretty cool. And it, I was excited and, you know, it, they, 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 they went in another direction. So, so here's the thing. So I'm rewatching, I'm halfway through season two mm-hmm. and I have to say, and it's mild spoilers for agents of shield <laughs> that what they were able to do and the constraints they had for that first season, it's, it's actually kind of remarkable because the first season starts off kind of slow. Yeah. But they had lined up their show so that on episodes, I think it was 17 of season one, mm-hmm. came out right before. Right after. Uh, yeah. And then, yeah, I think it was 17, 18, 16, 17. Basically when Captain America Winter Soldier came out, which is, right. you know, right. the revelation that Hydra has been implanted in S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. the whole time. And so you have the show called Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And then on like episode 17, S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, yeah. And it's like crazy how they were able to marry that up. But it, when knowing that now, looking back, it's like, okay, I kind of get how they had to do that. Because the show completely changes from mm-hmm, mm-hmm. episode, again, 16, 17, 17, 18. And then it kind of becomes a show that it was always going to be, which is pretty interesting but they just had this long ramp to get there. It's still kind of remarkable that they managed to pull it off as well as they did. So I'm actually impressed to a point with it, but it's still at this point in my life, I just can't get over a a 22, 23 episode season. TV's just not meant for that. It's, it's almost no one does it well. And something like premier prestige TV, like WandaVision, eight, nine episodes, Game of Thrones, seven, eight, nine episodes per season, Stranger Things. Yeah. I just think that model works so much better for genre TV. And Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. just, you know, it's, that's not the world it was in at the time. But I think just about every show you you name me, I would be like, it would be better with like half as many episodes. So I loved Coulson. I loved Ming-Na Wen. Yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. I did not like the the lady and the the young bad boy mm. hero guy that yeah. they tried to like. And, Sky you know, and Grant I, Ward. Yes, yep. yes. You lost me. <laughs> and, and and I agree. And again, we're going deep on this, but that that relationship is set up, and it's it's very it's the very classic will they won't they mm-hmm. workplace romance. Mm-hmm. But again, it all gets turned sideways when surprise, surprise, we find out Grant Ward works for Hydra. Yeah. And so then, so again, so I feel like it was kind of boring, like, okay, I know where this is going for that twist. But then even after the twist, it still isn't great. 
Uh, I also feel like they held on to him way too long. I'm sure he had mm-hmm. a contract because his character had a very, you know, had a fulfilling arc. The character dies, but they bring him back as like a alien force for like half yeah, of another season. Yeah. And it's the same thing they did with Zachary Quinto's character in Hero. I yeah. loved the first season of Heroes. It was remarkable. But they should have let that dude die. But because they had this actor who just popped and everybody loved him, they're like, we're going to make him come back in season two. And it just didn't work. It absolutely mm-hmm. would have been better if they just let him die and moved on. I agree. I think most people feel the same way about Heroes. Stop yeah. at season one. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. And even season two yeah. isn't bad. Season three is terrible. Except for the Digging. one episode, Brian, um, not Brian, uh, what's his, what's the guy who created it? I don't know. Uh, man, there's a, there's basically the guy who created it. He did like one episode of season three, which is like the best episode of all season three. But anyway. <laughs> Digging deep in the crates, did you guys ever watch Torchwood? No. No, I, I've never watched Doctor Who. Never watched an episode of it. And that's yeah, like a... I, I, I'm not a Doctor Who fan, but Torchwood is what I thought Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. could have been. Mm-hmm. And it just cracks me up because Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. had so much bigger budget. And, you know, the the the, the effects on Torchwood are laughable. But the actors just had chemistry, man. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, you just... Yeah. Well, I'm they going through and binging all the... these shows. I might put that one on the list. Because that's one thing. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is an expensive-looking show. Yeah, it's like... they don't... Like, they have a couple of the sets, obviously, they reuse, but they also travel. They're going to all the, I mean, yeah. probably they're like, you know, B-roll of the actual city, and then it's like a little lot or whatever. But the show looks like an expensive show. I'm sorry, Chris, I talked over you. Uh, I'd say the, the difference with Torchwood and, like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has to follow the network formula yeah, of exactly. how to have a successful show to make money, where Torchwood, they're just like, hey, we're going to go do this. Let's right. have fun with it. The, the, the show is getting slow. Let's have some actors have sex on camera. <laughs> it's, 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 it's not American TV. <laughs> yeah. So Targa says uh, that, yes, there's only one season of Heroes. Right. They agree Torchwood was good, but it looks like a BBC late night budget. Yes. Yes. So did, so did Firefly. And that's a fantastic yeah. show. Oh, my God. They yeah. reuse so many other costumes from other shows and movies. I've watched that series i don't 10 times it's yeah. it's just caption that lightning and bottle when you can yeah yep so and of course fox ruined that one. yeah but anyway let's move on to something more positive so we're going to move into 10 things this is our first improv game where we will take turns prompting one another to try to create a list of 10 things that that fit the prompt that we give the idea here is immediacy over accuracy so trying to come up with 10 things is more important than 10 accurate things that make sense to the prompt but that's part of the fun uh mo you are the guest co-host tonight so you can go first second or third in terms of giving a prompt or receiving a prompt what would be your uh what would be your desire here sir Uh, i'll I'll go first okay Um, so uh name 10 modern cities is it me or chris oh 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 you you pick oh, one oh, of us oh. and we'll make a circle. Chris. Okay. You 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 you've lived lots of places. Um, <laughs> <laughs> More so than me. <laughs> um, name ten modern cities you'd like to have a fantasy adventure in. Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, Detroit. One. Uh, Los Angeles. Two. Chicago. Three. Uh, I'd like to do Tokyo. Four. London. Five. Uh, Madrid, because my wife really would want that. Six. Uh, let's go Moscow. Seven. Uh, Shanghai. Eight. Uh, let's go. 
uh, Constantinople. I don't think it's what it's called anymore, but mm-hmm. Istanbul. Istanbul. Yeah, yeah. Istanbul. Thank you. I was blanking on it. And uh, I had Mexico to go to the song. Yeah. <laughs> Mexico, Mexico City. City. Nice, nice, nice. It would have taken me an hour to name just 10 cities. So thank you so much for not picking me on that one, sir. <laughs> All the right. hard thing was trying to bounce around the globe in my head. Yeah. I would have been, I would have went to pandemic and just been like Radaya, Hong Kong, just picking <laughs> cities I remember from the map. <laughs> All right. So Chris prompt me, and then I'll complete the circle with Mo. All right. Uh I, 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 last time I, I hit you pretty hard, so let's go easier. Let's go uh name ten colors of shirts in your closet. Oh, actually that's kind of hard because black, one, <laughs> gray, <laughs> two, blue. Three. Yellow. Four. Green. Five. Got the purple from a catacomb last year. Six. Red for the RPG Academy ones. Seven. I already said the black one. Uh, plaid. Eight. Different plaid. Nine. <laughs> uh, I have a safety green one from a catacomb years back. Ten. Ten. Yay! Uh, welcome, Smash Gladly, to the chat. Thank you for joining us. Appreciate you being here with us tonight. It says Go Mo, so must be one of your fans or, or oh, friends with us. That's an awesome name. Yeah. Uh, and just a reminder, we only need three more people to follow us to give a giveaway. So I'm just saying, you know, you're here if you want to hit yeah. the follow button. Uh, all right. So Mo, <laughs> uh, so you uh, have designed and published your own RPG called Shabuya. And I thank you, Smash Gladly. Now we're just two away. Uh, and I always like to ask this, it, it might be difficult, but can you come up with 10 alternate titles for your game? If you didn't call it Shabu and Knights, what would it have been called? And again, these don't have to be accurate, so you could just pick up other names of other games if you need to. Okay, uh, Tokyo Drift. What? San, Fran- <laughs> <laughs> San Francisco. Two. Um, uh... Shanghai Shuffle. Three. Um, that's the wrong country, wrong culture. <laughs> um, let's go with uh, uh, Knights of Edo. Four. Four. Let's go with uh, um, Tokyo Trouble. Five. Let's go Five. with um, Rapungin Rumble. Six. Let's Six. go with uh, Skijin Pirates. Seven. Let's go Seven. with... Um, Matsuri Hustle. All right. And let's go with, uh, 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 um, the Guild Wars. Nine. And let's go with, uh, awesome action RPG. Ten. (laughs) Those were ten things. I would have went with Big Trouble in Little Tokyo. Just, you know. Oh, oh. Good one. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, thank you all for playing our little reindeers game. So now we're going to move into used books. And this is generally the meat and potatoes of the show. And we're going to talk about a previous campaign that one of us has either played in or ran. And the idea is we're going to try to mine this for some things that went well that we might want to continue doing. We've, we've carried on to other games or maybe some things that didn't go so well. We tried them and we will you know, now avoid them because they didn't work. So, Mo, you are the guest co-host tonight. Do you have a campaign you'd like to talk about, sir? Um. So I, I, I have the uh, dis, dis, uh, sting, dis, in, inglorious distinction of having played uh, heroes, hero games for a long time, okay. uh, champions uh, and fantasy hero. And we realized uh, you could kind of be real fudgy with uh, fantasy if you got away from D&D, which, which at the time was AD&D and had lots of, 
like you can only level up here and have so many spells there Mm -hmm. so uh we ran a fantasy hero uh, game and the characters decided they were going to go rescue the church from the goblins they said that should be easy so they they go and they decide to uh uh, rescue the church from the goblins and they run into the goblins have blocked the road so because this is fantasy hero and not D, one of the characters that decided their character is a witch and can fly right mm-hmm. and so like it's it's a little gonzo monty hall from the start and another character decides that um he can throw lightning bolts so they decide they're going to fly over the goblins and throw some lightning bolts down on them. And uh, yeah, this is going to be an easy challenge to resolve. And so uh, they get nice and high up in the air. I say, how, how many hexes you going to go up in the air? And they tell me they're going to go up, you know, 10, 15 hexes. And I'm like, all right. So, um, and they say, oh, wait, wait, what's arrow range? And I say, <laughs> well, arrow range is probably 15 hexes. All right, we go 15 hexes. So they get high up in the sky and they're going to fly over the goblin brigade and throw some lightning down on them. And, uh, I let them get um, split the difference, 15 hexes up, about um, 10 hexes from their friends, and uh, a goblin shoots a fireball at them <laughs> and hits. And one the, the witch gets stunned because her whole thing is, I'm not going to get hit. So she falls, so they take falling damage, they take fireball damage, and then they run back to their friends. And they say, what was that? Goblins aren't supposed to do that. And they were very frustrated and, you know, people got up and got upset and they decided like, maybe we're not going to play tonight. And I'm like, so wait a minute. This, this is, this is real serious. You're a witch who could fly. You could throw lightning bolts and you're telling me that you got a problem with somebody hitting you with a fireball. Well, not somebody, but not a goblin. So um, (laughs) they, they, they resolved the issue. They, they beat up the goblins and, uh, they realized the goblin had a ring of fire breathing. And so somebody got a nice cool magic item. And by the end of the night, there was a a lot of satisfaction at the table because like people were really suddenly stunned that not only had they beat up those goblins who were way tougher than they had to be, but they took a a magical item from somebody who was actually using it against them. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like they earned it. You know, they didn't just take it out of somebody's pocket after they died, you know, who wasn't smart enough to, you know, actually use this against them. So, um, yeah, that that's probably the the one that, you know, 25 years later, people are still talking about those goblins. So that actually, I think that's a, a very interesting situation that has come up. In, and I think regardless of whether it's Hero or D&D, it's something that I've seen in my games many times where a character comes up with what they think is a creative solution to a problem. Like, Hey, we're fighting goblins. We'll just fly and throw lightning bolts. And then when you as the DM, regardless of whether you had planned this before, or you just change it on the fly, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Try to kill still give them a challenge. There's an instant sort of, you're not playing fair reaction. Right. And I think that's where, because they wanted an easy victory. They wanted their creativity to be rewarded, which I can, again, as a quote-unquote mm-hmm. creative player, that's what I want as well. But as a DM, I also don't want you to be able to just now, that's your your go-to strategy in every battle. You're just going to do that and then 
like it's never going to be fun. So again, that's not exactly what you presented, but I think that's, that's where I want to start with. Um, so I'll go to Chris to first with if like, where is the line between as a DM wanting to make sure that the game is challenging versus the players looking for fun in a creative, easy victory. Like, have you ever mm. dealt specifically with that paradigm between players' mindset and your mindset and any interesting or difficult takes you'd like to share? Uh, yeah, a lot. Um, <laughs> when I was younger, especially, I gamed with a lot of people at college who in their spare time did nothing but read the monster manual. Mm. Mm-hmm. So yep. a lot of times as a game master, you go, oh, you got a bunch of goblins. Oh, they're on page 78. They have six hit points. They do blah, blah, blah. And as a GM, you're like, well, I want to make it more interesting. So you throw mm-hmm. something like that at them. And then just like you experience, they're like, well, they shouldn't be able to do that. They're only a level one monster. And right, like, right. But isn't it boring if you always know what to do and how to beat them? Then as a find... level one adventurer, you know what I mean? Yeah. You are all wizened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And to me, a lot of that is, for some people, that's their fun. They right. really love reading that book. Like in, in your story or your situation, as a GM, the only twist I would have put on it is that fireball would have gone off and I would have rolled behind the screen and no matter what I rolled, it would have gone off like right below them. Mm. It would have just missed them. So they're like, oh, hold on. Maybe it just causes them to step back and rethink their approach versus hitting them with damage. Right, right. That's the thing I had to learn by similar situations with what you did. And then they go, Oh my gosh, maybe the goblins have a such and such wizard there that's really leading them, or you know, now now we have to be stealthier about it. I know as a game master, sometimes it is frustrating. We'll spend hours planning a, a encounter just to have somebody creatively think their way around it. And you're like, Well, right, right. This is gonna be very boring and anticlimactic. And you want it to be more climactic and you want to build that tension. At the same time, sometimes you just have to be like, high five, you right. you outthunk me there. Right. I, I think for like convention games, which mm-hmm. other than a very s- small segment of my game right now, that's like the majority of what I do is I run one shots for various people, either through our mm-hmm. Discord or through like online conventions or whatever. I'm like, I want to reward creativity, but I'm probably going to keep a fight if I've got a fight plan because that's part of what I'm trying to show off of the system is this is how combat works. So I'm going to reward with like a great advantage or I may do a thing like, oh, you whopped out 12 goblins. Here's 10 more that were that were always coming. I promise you on my sheet, it said 22 goblins. Just, you know, whatever. Uh, because I don't want to take away their fun, but I want them to experience what a combat's like. In a, in a long-term campaign, I am much more likely these days to go, God, that was just genius. Okay, yeah, you whopped them out, you're done. And then the next time we get into a fight, I'll try to... you know, try to plan for that stratagem. But even then you get into the problem where how does every goblin know that that's what we're going to do? So they've all now got this protection. Like every goblin has a ring of lightning reduction or whatever. Uh, Because if you can win every fight that way, it's not fun. And two, if we were living in a world that is anywhere near realistic, someone else would have already thought of this plan. And someone else would have already conquered the world if all it takes is a witch flying 15 hexes to defeat anything. So you got to work with me a little bit here that, yes, I'm going to let you get some advantage, but this isn't a I win button. Right. They, they, were, they were smart enough to take over the church. You know what I mean? The yeah. local townspeople couldn't figure it out, you know, and, 
how many adventures have you been on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're just getting started. And, you know, maybe there's some stuff to learn. We actually, you know, years ago made a rule where if you say, oh, I know what that is. Hold on. I want you to roll an intelligence check. Oh, mm -hmm, your character mm -hmm, has no mm -hmm. clue. Mm -hmm. Act as if your character doesn't know. And then we stopped giving uh, XP out for monsters. We gave out XP straight up for role playing. Ah, hmm. uh, right, right, right. So then if somebody went, oh, that's a goblin. All right, well, you used out of character knowledge. I'm sorry, you're only getting 50. Well, Michael, you did mm -hmm. great. Here's a 1,000. Yeah. And that kind of balanced that out really well. And it turned out to challenge players more than they thought it would. Yeah, I just like the idea that, you know, if you're going to be getting all of this money, if you're going to go and capture all of this loot, if you're going to find magical this and that, um, you know, may, why is it the the creature you're, you're fighting using it against you hundred percent that used to drive me crazy <laughs> there's a web comic called goblins uh, you know that I, I, that's what i want to talk about today <laughs> in, in that comic they talk yeah. about that why yeah. do we leave this in the treasure chest why aren't we using it so, exactly yeah, yeah i've used always to, thought that too. I, I made a big thing like whenever i started running games i would always i would give the bad guys cool magic items but you had to take it from them they weren't just going to be exactly. like this was locked in a, a chest sometimes i would do the thing where they didn't know what they had so mm -hmm. the goblins had like a magic wand but they used it as just like the you know king stick or whatever right. they, they right. didn't know how to use it but for the most part if you're fighting someone that's got a plus three mace they're swinging it at your face to start that's the right. battle that's um, right and you know i had to have an aversion to magic items it's kind of famous along the podcast that i don't give out very many magic items and that's part of it as well that there is a world-shattering aspect to the way magic was doled out in, like, the older D&D. &D. And I remember mm -hmm. I was playing in college. It's one of the few times I got to play because I've always been the forever DM. And I don't know if it was a module we were playing or if it was a homebrew, but I, we got to a part where we got magic items. Like, we accomplished a thing, and the DM's like, okay, I'm going to roll to find out what you what you get. And it was, like, on a random chart. And I remember the the way that we got the magic item is someone had decided to check the throne for like a secret catch or secret panel or whatever. And so the DM's like, oh yeah, that's great. Let me roll. We got like a plus three set of plate mail armor. And I'm just, I was like, I don't care how cool of an item that is. That is so dumb that that would be in, what, where was it? Where it, and it just, right. I, I couldn't get over the fact that it made no sense to the point that I didn't ha didn't enjoy getting it because the way we got it was so dumb. And that I'm sure that's a Michael thing, but it just it drove me insane. Well, I've played in a game where you had magic shops, whatever you want in the book, here's a value for it. You know, the wizard would go, Oh, I need a, a magic pearl and an eye of newt, bring those to me and 10,000 gold, and I'll make you a vorpal sword. And you could just buy yeah. whatever you wanted, or, or or you let them buy things, or or, or things just have you know um, uh, uh, charges, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like suddenly you're playing uh, a different kind of resource management game. <laughs> so Mo, did you want to talk more about? You said that Goblin comic. Uh, did you want to talk about that later in the, well, the other section, or is it still relevant here? I, I wanted to talk about goblins as as my creature. So oh. like, I was I was going to reference that, but I love that comic. Okay. And, oh um, yeah. We can get into it later. Then. I, I don't want to, you know, mess up the the, the detention class schedule. Oh, yeah. No, no worries. No worries. I just, I just want to make sure that I gave you time for that. So the other kind of thing here, and I know this is going to be a big surprise to anyone listening. Um, some of this, what sounds like might have been like 
expectations weren't on the same page with what first level characters could do in this version of a fantasy world versus maybe a D and D. So mm-hmm. maybe a session, I don't know. Zero I'm ready for you. Thing. Take a drink. So if you had to do it all over again, so you go back to to (laughs) the person you were, however long ago this was, your friends, people with you, if you had to do it over again, would you do anything differently to try to soften that from wherever becoming a problem? Other than, of course, again, session. (laughs) So, oh, we don't say that word? Well, we just have to drink every time. So sometimes it gets a little, you know, exhausting. Oh, got it, got it, got it, got it. So, um. Back when I was a kid, we didn't have that that session zero thing. <laughs> I'm there with you. You're not that old. And, me neither. Um, I, I I thought they were the dumbest thing in the world when someone told me about them when I first. I'm like, that's so dumb. And now I think they're genius. So it's just hopefully um, age and wisdom have changed me. Absolutely, especially. I mean, I think we have enough movie content out there that you can really say, you know, I want to play. Um, uh, a Game of Thrones, you know, it's like magic is like something that like kids talk about and adults don't believe in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm-hmm. I think that's that's an interesting world. Or you play something where, you know, essentially you can go get uh, uh, any kind of magic thing and it's magic is like guns in America. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like you, you can put your hand on a magic item if you got to. Um, so I don't know. I think that probably would have helped, but I think I was also still pretty immature and I was, you know, writing up a game like I saw in the D&D manuals where it's like, here are a series of traps that are bound to get your players. Um, And I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm older. I'm a lot more mellow now. And, uh, I, I could, I, I would probably definitely handle it different. You know, um, my, my biggest challenge has been we're playing this fantasy game, but like there's so many boundaries and rules. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> um, but at the end of the day, everybody wants to have fun. So we should all be playing the same game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do think, and I think that's what's so important because looking back on my, just my experience as someone who ran games and, and used to get into these, like heated arguments, like absolute, almost like yelling at each other because mm-hmm. my players weren't having fun. And they would be like, we're playing, but we're not having fun. And I'm like, well, I right. want to have fun too. And it's right. not fun for me if you always get what you want. And they're like, but we don't, you don't ever give us what we want. And, you know, cause I was a kid, I was dumb and I was immature, but I just, the idea if I could go back into that 12 year old and say, if you just spent half an hour, maybe hour tops, making sure everyone understood what everyone was trying to do before we tried to do it, it would be so much more fun. You know, and I just think I would have got, even though I love D and D and I have fond memories of it, individual mm-hmm. moments of that were pretty awful. Most of the time, actually. I mean, you know, it, it's kind of surprising. I still enjoy it for all the heartaches I went through to get there. And out of all the people I played with, I'm the only one that still plays. All my players right. have, they never even think about playing. It's like, it's such a thing from their childhood and right. it stayed with me, and I, you know, again, I can't can't really speak to that, but it's just interesting to think about like how I could have made those games more fun for them if I knew more what they were trying to accomplish, and they knew more about what I was trying to do. And again, we were all on the same page. I think part of the difference is your ego back then was what your story wanted, 
as we get older, we realize our ego shifts to what the table wants. So we have more pride in looking around at the table and going, hey, we all had a great time versus I got to tell my story. I right. think that's what right. a little bit of age and wisdom has, you know, obviously mm-hmm. granted the three of us because I think that's how we all run games now. And, and you know, I to your point, Michael, I took some time off because I was in too many of those games where, you know, people were telling, you were happily, you were, you're invited to like tell any story that you wanted in somebody's game, long as it was their story, you know? Mm. (laughs) And, um, you know, I came back to the hobby and, you know, found that it was a very different place. And, you know, I played, uh, I haven't even actually played fifth ed yet. Um, I played, a. uh, uh, Shadow of the Demon Lord, mm-hmm. which is very uh, fourth, right ed, fourth Eddie, <laughs> and uh, I played um, a couple games of Champions, you know, just to, for nostalgia's sake. But you know, I've definitely fallen into the story game um, track where you're 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 gaming to have an adventure, and yeah, you, your character wants to do a certain thing, but sometimes you're just trying to tell a good story. You know, mm-hmm. and um, have an experience that just takes your mind off of the day job, you know, and, and, and the bills you got to pay on Friday. So <laughs> and like, I think you nailed it on the head right there, especially for me. I don't like I used to just sit around and read rule books all the time. Right. right. I don't find that as enjoyable anymore because I manage a team where I have to follow rules and guidelines from the corporation <laughs> And I'm constantly getting bombarded with reports and new procedures. And I don't mm-hmm. want to read any of that when I yeah. get home. I just want to get home and be like, hey, I have this funny idea for this story where you guys are all going to be, you know, goblins riding on the back of orcs charging right. down a hill. Right, right. Who's in? Like, that's where my mind goes because it gets me out of the mindset of rules. So mm-hmm. I think you hit it right on the head there for me. I think, too, for me, like – when I when I think back on like my favorite mo- moments, even as a kid GM, it wasn't the combat. It wasn't like defeating the bad guy. It was something that someone said that was mm-hmm. you know perfect for the situation. It was unexpected. Basically, it was the times where I got to laugh. And you know, as a storyteller, I still dream and 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 you know aspire to having those sessions where I make everyone at the table just weep. That, you know, something has happened in the story that's so affecting that it makes them, like, cry because I've, I've helped craft this world that means so much to them. But I'm probably never going to get that. But I can make a dick and fart joke and have people laughing <laughs> their asses off easy. So I lean more into that now because I get, it's more of a reward. Like, I can get I can get an instant reaction, get people laughing, and that right. makes people want to come back and play the game and it makes me happy. Exactly. And. Yeah, after a while, you know, like Chris said, you you realize you don't want to game with everybody at every con and have different people coming in and out of your uh, your, your your house that you don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. I I think back, the fact that I wasn't murdered, like all the different random people's houses I would go to, and again I'm from Southeast Kentucky. We we would go like an hour into this backwoods and be playing in like a church rec center in the basement. I the again the fact that I'm still alive is kind of a miracle. <laughs> I yep. grew up in a small redneck town. We played in uh, James's apartment with the windows closed, the blinds closed. It could be a hundred degrees outside with no air conditioning. We're just sweating, but 
nobody could see what we were doing because you know late 80s early 90s oh. and, yeah the old satanic panic was still real oh, popular yeah. in my little hometown uh smash yep. gladly has to bounce thanks for hanging out with us as long as you did Thank happy you. to have you around Come uh, back next time I, i've talked about that before like i would lie all, all the way up until like like 12 years ago if like i was playing D and like i'd said something and people were like oh you got people coming over what are you doing I'm like oh we're gonna play poker or we're gonna play video games like i would not tell people i played role-playing games for years because oh, yeah. i was afraid there would be a stigma and it would affect my standing in their eyes professionally and and then I got to the point, it was when the podcast started that I'm like, I tell everybody, it's like, hey, I do this, listen to my podcast. I just, just, just right, 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 completely right. changed my mindset. And it just, it's so ubiquitous now. Like so many people play, I think a lot of that stigma is gone. Though there's still probably some people that would feel that way. Sure. I think they're in the minority. It just hopefully they're not like your boss. Then, then it doesn't matter if there's just one person, if it's that one person. Yeah. I just tell people to play nerdy games and hang out. Yeah. And then they I was just leave it at that. I was definitely in the closet as a gamer during my dating days <laughs> because, uh, yeah. 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 I had that moment at college where, you know, walking through campus life night and seeing all the different groups. And there was a group of people that were like, hey, we do this role playing thing. And I looked around like, what are you, what are you doing this out in public for? <laughs> Why are you talking out loud? And they're like, oh, you should be proud of it. And I was like, uh, right? all right. This is a little odd to me. Yeah. You know, I also didn't go to a huge college, you know, Grand Valley State University's a smaller school, so it wasn't that big of a deal. So actually, to clarify, something you said made me think of this, it wasn't as much the podcast, that was certainly part of it, it's that I, when I went to Gen Con for the first time, mm. that was truly what opened my eyes, because I went, the second year of the podcast was the first time I'd ever gone to Gen Con, I had, I had never been to any convention of any type ever. And then I go to Gen Con, which is, you know, like 60,000 people, and everybody's just literally, you know, to, to steal the phrase, out and proud about their mm -hmm, gaming. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it was like, oh, like this isn't something that I just do insularly in my basement with a few friends. Like this is this right. huge worldwide, right. you know, Community. thing that I'm a part of. And, and that coupled with the podcast is really what kind of brought me out and made me just start being an, an advocate and an ambassador for the hobby. And so I, again, obviously not everyone can go to Gen Con. Everyone wants to go to Gen Con, Catacon, uh, mm -hmm. if, if you're talking about game cons. But I think going to a convention like that really did open my eyes to this community that I didn't realize was out there that I wasn't a part of because I didn't realize it was there. And now I, like, my identity is tied up as much in the RPG Academy as it is anything else in my life other than my family. And even that, I spend more time doing RPG Academy stuff than I do family stuff a lot of the time. Um, let me know if I get too boomery, but uh, <laughs> one of the things I, 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 uh, I, I definitely kind of realized, you know, a social activity with my friends was, um, one second. Sure. A social activity with my friends was definitely playing video games and, you know, the way they talked to the screen playing Madden and, you know, all the games that they were playing, you know, killing monsters and everything. I'm like, this is this is what we used to do when we gamed, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's great that you could press a power button when you get home, like you were saying, Chris, and oh, yeah. just fall down the rabbit hole whenever you're ready is awesome. Um, but you know, you you which you don't have and even, actually you do have the community today because you can actually play online and mm -hmm. chat with your friends and everything. So it's the same thing, you know. Yeah. 
a great time to be alive if you're into role playing, yeah. in my opinion. Or it just is. gaming in general. I played DC Debt Builder mm-hmm. today with two people, uh, one in Texas, the other. I don't know in the world where in the world they live, but we all hung out and played a, a game for an hour and a half online. It was amazing. That's awesome. Yep. All right. So I could talk about this probably for a while, but we got to move on. Uh, so we're going to do everyone's favorite part of the game, which is where we make complete asses of ourselves playing the Where Have My Fingers Been improv game. Uh, so Mo, you are again our guest, so you can go first, second, or third in, re- in relation to either giving the prompt, receiving the prompt. So what would you like to do, sir? Uh, I will receive the prompt first this time, because I was stressing last time. Okay. <laughs> so let's just do it. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to give you the prompt. You will then do the scene. You will then give Chris the prompt. He will do the scene, and then Chris will give me the prompt, and we'll complete the circle. Uh, but before I give you the prompt, you must, of course, do the song. But just for the audience, in case you don't know, we're playing an improv game called Where Have My Fingers Been, which is where the performers will create a small scene using finger puppets to act out the scene that was given to us, unless you want to be like Scott and bring in a third because you're a jerk and you're actually good at this. Okay, so <laughs> do you know the song, Mo? Where Have My Fingers Been? I said, Where Have My Fingers Been? Your Fingers are inside a church that is currently being surrounded by goblins when a group of heroes arrives to save you. So, um, little goblins, it's a good time to negotiate if you're smart. You think these are the first people to come help you? Oh, well, um, maybe I'll just relax and see how this goes. Good idea. And that's where your fingers have been. Fingers have been. Yay. Yay. Excellent. All right. All right. Did I do okay? Yeah, you did fantastic. <laughs> All right. All right. So now you will give Chris a prompt for All where right. his fingers have been. So Chris, sing your right. song. So uh, where have my fingers been? I said, where have my fingers been? Okay. Close your up. fingers have been in a um, sushi restaurant when a guy with a samurai sword and an afro kicks in the door looking for your brother. <laughs> All right. This is my first time having sushi. I'm really excited. I hear it's a great way to lose weight. Bam. You. I've been looking for your brother. Where is he? Um, which one? I have 12. Did you narrow it down for me? The ugly one. Uh, still leaves 10. Keep going. The one that killed my father. We're down to six. Keep going. <laughs> I need more clues, please. <laughs> the one that you don't like. Still at six. Keep going. Would you like some sushi? It's really good. He's making it right over there. <sighs> I've been looking for him for 10 years. Tell me, where is he? Still at six. Gotta help me out here. <sighs> Just tell me where the first one is. I think he's in Kentucky somewhere. And that's where my fingers have been. Yay! Yay! Awesome. All righty. So, where have my fingers been? I said, where have my fingers been? You are trying to talk your way past the goblin guard to rescue the princess. Aha. Hello. Uh, yeah, who are you? I am Captain Wainwright. Okay, am I supposed to know who that is? You have never heard of Captain Wainwright? 
Uh, no, I've, I've never heard of Captain Wade, right? Hmm. I kind of thought you had. That was all part of my plan. I, I spent like an hour coming up with some sort of backstory on who I was. I guess it would have made more sense if I picked a name of someone who actually existed and not this person I created in my head. Are you, are you a bard? Yes. Yes, I am. I'm an actor! <laughs> Stab. Ow! And that's where my fingers have been. Yay! Yay! <laughs> All right, so now we will move on to the last section of the show. This is called Cryptozoology, and this is where we talk about a monster, often from D&D, but not always. We talk about some ways that we have used these creatures in the past and maybe brainstorm some ways we could use them in the future. Mo, you are our guest. Which creature did you want to talk about tonight? I want to talk about goblins, as goblins. Chris, you know, already knows. Sorry, I didn't mean to steal your thunder earlier. Um, but... uh I I I I think da 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 fifth, fifth edition goblins, but we don't have to talk about those specifically. But go ahead, sir. <laughs> I fell down uh, the rabbit hole of uh, kind of having an issue with with monsters after I read uh, Lord of the Rings. I I read fantasy growing up, and like you know, as 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 a young adult, I said, all right, I'm finally going to read the Bible of fantasy. I'm going to read Lord of the Rings. And I got through the first book and <laughs> I, I, I was just like, you know, it really feels like there is a thing going on here that I've always seen where you have these monster races that are only smart enough to breed and get killed. Mm. And um there's a certain point where they're smart enough to build all these traps. They're smart enough to build all this stuff. And I've stumbled upon a, a, a online comic called goblins that Chris was talking about earlier. And, you know, it, it kind of spelled it out. And I realized um, back to the question of what kind of game are we playing? You know, I like games where uh, maybe uh, fighting can resolve problems, but killing people doesn't necessarily solve problems. And uh, so that that kind of was part of my inspiration for writing Shibuya Nights. Um, I the idea I, I love the idea that you know goblins aren't monsters anymore. You know they they could be their player player class now, right? Uh, they can be. I don't know in fifth edition. I think fourth edition they definitely were. I right. don't know if fifth edition they are again. There, there's probably a supplement or something somewhere out there. But I think fourth edition they were definitely made into. I, I say definitely. I think. Yeah, I, 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 I feel like I remember playing a goblin in a version of D and D. I don't recall which. Shadow of the um, Demon Lord. They definitely are. I know that because I, I played one. Absolutely. Uh, so second, second edition had the old humanoid handbook. Right. They, right. They right, might right. have been in. I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. You could so, play. You, know, you could play monsters from there. But go ahead. Yeah, I just like the idea that you know. Um, monsters have an opportunity to go out, be civilized, have adventures, and, um, you know, outwit player characters at any level. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I mean, players are constantly looking for these things that make them smarter. How come a goblin can't have that, you know? Players have gods. Don't goblins have gods, you know? How come goblins can't be clerics? And, um, I, I just like the the humanoid monster races that lend toward um, you finding yourself in a situation where you should negotiate before you draw a sword. And so, um, like, organized, efficient use of goblins uh, and trolls and orcs um, 
but I think people look down on goblins. So I like goblins to start with. Um, that that really is kind of where you know fantasy takes off for me, okay. because I find that you know we, we we try to kill our way out of all of these problems in the real world, and <laughs> it never really seems to be a suitable resolution. You know, yeah. and we find ourselves decades down the road having problems based on those other problems, and so. Um, Maybe maybe just killing all the goblins to get to the treasure is a little too fantastic for me. Gotcha. Uh, so BitPlayer uh, jumped in, 3.0 and 3.5 uh, had options yes. for humanoid character PCs as well, and, and that's one of their favorite versions. But I completely agree with you. That's that's a, a thing about my DMing that has sort of changed over time, similar to magic items. Like, you're never going to just find a plus three mace. I don't say never, but almost never. It's someone's going to be using it. I also didn't like the idea that any creature like that, well, there, in my mind, there was a difference between what I would call a creature, like an owlbear or a shadow demon and a goblin or an orc or half orc or whatever. And I started using them differently because of that, because so, I had the problem. So I am much more likely for you to face goblins who are doing something because they are being forced to by some mm-hmm. other problem. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so your task isn't to kill all the goblins. It's to solve that other problem. Right. And right, it could right. be a food issue that becomes like negotiating so that goblins are given attractive land to farm. So you got to negotiate a peace treaty. It could be that the trolls or the giants are like forcing them to go out and scavenge for them. So you have to get rid of the uh, the troll or the, or the giant or maybe, again, you, you may have to go three levels of, uh, you know, up to, to figure out like the root cause to solve it. Right. Right. But I really tried to avoid let's just kill everything here and we win. I will say that there's a small caveat that when I do my introduction to D and D games, I mm-hmm. almost always use goblins as the bad guy, right? Because they're very squishy, and mm-hmm. there's it's in sort of the common lore that there's a lot of them, and I very much do waves of combat. So if I throw four goblins at them and they just wipe them out four more will show up because I want that right. combat to be interesting. If I threw four at them and they are having a really rough time, then no more will show up. And so they're very versatile for me in that regard. But beyond these intro to D&D games that I run at cons, if you find a goblin in my game, it's very likely that they are smarter than you, have more magic items than you, <laughs> maybe manipulating you. They're not just something you're going to hit with a stick until they die. I, I do not like that at all. Uh, Chris, what about you? Have you had any particular issues with goblins or any creative ways you've used them you want to share? I haven't used goblins much because I'm the guy that doesn't like the uh, the, the normal creatures in D&D mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I run into people always knowing what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always tried to put a twist on anything like that. So 3rd edition did have uh, character levels you could give to monsters. Mm-hmm. So I'd always tell my players... You may know what that is in the, the you know monster manual. Remember the DMG, I give them character levels. So now you can run into a goblin that's throwing fireballs at you. Right. And now you're thinking, oh my gosh, is this a third level, you know, is this a, le- a fifth level wizard hiding mm-hmm. a goblin or what? Mm-hmm. So I would do things like that. What's funny is you you mentioned a minute ago, Mo, that you like the idea of goblins becoming more like the heroes. In college, yeah. in second edition, I played a lizard man who that was his whole point of the character was he was going to prove that monsters could be valuable within cities. So right. he became a knight. And we played this for a year and a half. He became a knight. 
accidentally formed a religion where they were monsters were worshiping him and it was it was a fun game but it was the same if you're smart that's not something you do by accident (laughs) yeah the character wasn't that smart. He was pretty much a barbarian. So. Was his character named L. Ron Hubbard? No. <laughs> Lizard R. Part. Hubbard. Yeah. Uh, it, it, that was one of my favorite games, though, because it was a different spin. And the game master then went, hold on. You're going to see other monsters, and you're not going to immediately go attack them. You're more likely to attack the humans that are trying to attack the monsters because you mm. want kind of prove both sides so it gave the game master a neat spin on what he had to do in building his world uh, plus it was just a fun character nice I had, we had a two-hour in-game in-character debate between him and the wizard on why spells are dumb <laughs> when you cast a spell once and it's gone i can oh. keep swinging this sword over and over uh, and over and i never forget how this sword works uh-huh, uh-huh. but then the wizard went well but i have to memorize these things and Second edition did such a poor job of explaining to you. It's more like a reserve of power you have. And when you run out of it, you don't have any more. Right. So he's trying to explain to him, you know, and it was just so much fun to go back and forth with, you know, a fighter trying to explain why his sword's better than the wizard's spells. Right, right, right. No, I mean, it's, it's great. My problem, I know exactly what happened. I, I ended up getting a degree in English. So I found myself going back to everything, you know, from religion to, Dungeons and Dragons and fantasy and like reading way too much into everything. (laughs) So it's like, um, yeah, to me, I the same way kind of, I'm much more interested in like political intrigue movies than, you know, Cowboys and Indians, you know? Um, Yeah. I I think there's a way to play a game that's um, a lot more rich than, you know, okay. Do we kill it yet? Yeah. Is it still yeah. up? All right, we roll a hit it again, you know? Yeah. Um, well, and just having, like, creatures with uh, a survival instinct that, you know, if there's 20 goblins right? and you kill five of them in turn one, they're going to surrender or run away. They're not just going to exactly. all stay there and fight till the death. Like, so if you do want to have a fight where you just hit things, but use them like intelligent creatures, mm-hmm. you know, because that just makes more sense. Um, give them something they want and then make it where they can't have it. Uh, you know, when I do my right. DMing panels, we talk about that. Like, uh, you know, if, if if the goblins are on the field because you have the orb of Arcanar and there's a thousand goblins, what happens if you break the orb? Well, right. that's the reason they were there. Now that it's completely broken, they don't want to kill you. They're, they're just going to go home or they might, you know, go, you know, like storm over like a countryside, which is a different problem. But like, I, I don't want it just to be like, we hit things with a stick until it stops moving and we win. I, I, I really don't like that uh, regardless of what creature. Uh, but is there a particular way that you have used a goblin or maybe you're thinking of using one that you could share like a, a future option for you? Um, for me, like, I, I think um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm introducing kind of monster races into the Shibuya Knights mythos. You know, that's a, that's a splat book that mm-hmm. that's coming. I didn't say soon. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> you just said coming. I said coming. Um, and yeah, I just like the idea that um, everybody has a perspective and, you know, when you, when you look at kind of when you, you, sh- you, you need to negotiate with people individually you know, 
You, you can't look at, in, in Shibuya Nights, you can't look at the Oni and say, well, they're all just trying to destroy Shibuya because, you know, they're religious zealots. Um, there, there, there might be a more nuance to that than just that. And um, dealing with somebody on, on that level, you, you may kind of find yourself frustrated because, well, um, you could have just talked them out of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so um, yeah, I just like the idea that um, if if something can talk, if it's smart enough to talk, you know, if you could speak a language to it, if or or in D and D terms, if it can speak common, you know, there is another way to deal with it mm-hmm. outside of you know, absolutely, kill, kill, kill. Yeah. yeah, if they've got the ability to understand language and communication, even within themselves you should be able to figure out a way of doing it as well. I, I agree with that a hundred percent. And that's something and, I've used. You know, and I, I know people who are going to say, well, that makes like suddenly like every game is like, Oh, political and social justice. And da, 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 da. I'm like, you know, play your game, how you want at your house. <laughs> it doesn't have to be. Yeah. I run a lot of star Wars, the Jedi and the Sith. Right. They do a lot of back and forth politics, but they right. still fight a lot. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's and kind of at the core of what they are in a weird way. I mean, way. you can make a goblin really smart, but also a jerk, and mm-hmm. still end up fighting with it. But it's a it's a different feeling. I think in some ways more rewarding and more fulfilling when you have that goblin who's a jerk, who's like actually maybe outmaneuvering the players mm-hmm. for a little while, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. you get to fight them. It's just more interesting. Uh, yeah. are, are either of you familiar with the Eberron setting? Yes. Uh, just from um, live streams that I listen to. So I've I listened to a couple people playing it. I say that it's my favorite setting, and it, it truly is, but I still don't know it as well as probably someone who casually is a, is a fan. But it, from what I recall, there was a great civilization like you know hundred thousand years ago that was pretty much goblins, and they were like mm. advanced, and mm-hmm. it was like a, it was almost like a cataclysmic type event ruined their civilization, and now the human elf dwarf civilization is kind of built on top of that. Right. So currently goblins are very much like what you would think you'd see in you know, D&D, but they have this legacy and almost every city that you go to is probably built on the bones of a goblin city. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So there's this sort of history there and this gravitas that comes with that, that opens up these, these ideas of like, oh, we found this thing, it's goblin made. And that's right. actually cool and interesting. Yeah. Maybe we need to go find a goblin because they'll know how to open this chest and that's a twist on things I had never really got to that. I really like the idea that, you know, before humans were around goblins pretty much ran the place. And if something right. almost like dinosaurs, if, a, if an asteroid hadn't hit, they'd probably still be running the place. I just think that's kind of an interesting twist on their, just these nuisances. Like you said, they breed and then have to be killed. Yeah. Be, uh, not, not to conflate um, goblins with the Chinese, but um, before the COVID, I was drinking too much with some folks and they were saying, you know, if somebody died, if somebody went to sleep 50 years ago and woke up, you know, in 2018, um, most things would be the same except for the cell phone. And I said, you know, also made in China would like <laughs> have a very different ring to it. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, it just, the world changes, you know, I, I think things happen and, you know, tides come in and tides go out. Yep. The only constant is in fact change. So, all right. So with that, we will actually go into the last portion of the show. And this is where we have audience Q and a, it looks like there's a couple people still hanging out with us. Targus for one, uh, maybe bit player for the other. I don't know for sure if they're still with us. Uh, but if you have any questions you'd like to ask me, Chris or Mo, 
doesn't have to be roleplay related. Kind of makes sense that it would be, but it doesn't have to be. Uh, you can have a chance here to ask. We'll do our best to answer. I know there's a little bit of a delay, so while we're waiting for that to catch up, Mo, one more time, tell people where they can find you on the internet, find them where they can get a copy of your book or check out any of your work. Um, you can find me at ashyfeet.com. Um, and that's where you'll find information about uh, Shibuya Nights. That's where you'll find information about uh, some of the uh, short films and documentaries that I've done. Um, you know, I moved to LA to do the filmmaking thing and realized uh, if I didn't fi- find millions of dollars that um, the filmmaking thing <laughs> may not be a, 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 a thing I could do effectively. Hmm. So, uh, you know, um, I, I also like the, I mean, yeah, I, I think the community building that happens with a role-playing game, you know, and people being able to actually engage in a story is some, way better than like the, the posters you've seen that look awesome. And like you go in and you watch the movie and you're like, well, that's not what I expected. I would have done a different story. How many times have you said that? You know? mm, oh, yeah. And, mm. and that's the pitch for role-playing games. Oh. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right and one more time so it's ashyfeet.com that's also your Ashy twitter feet. handle uh, ashyfeet1 is my twitter handle and um yeah you know i'm i i chat and like and promote and um you know just i wasn't a twitter guy until covid hit and you know it's like i got tired of talking to my family about the same stuff over and over again and you know my wife was on Twitter. I was like, what, what, what are you laughing about? And she's like, oh, you're not on Twitter. So now she now she sends me jokes on Twitter. <laughs> and there will be links in our show notes when this comes out, uh, audio only for, for all that stuff as well. Uh, Chris, what about you? Uh, Burlu underscore Chris on Twitter. I'm not Burlu. on a whole lot of other places. Yep. Uh, and the podcast that you're the DM? Oh, yeah. I probably should talk about that so I don't get yelled at. Uh, I do Game Master for the Redemption podcast. My challenge is still out there. I still say we're the longest running Star Wars AP. If you can prove me wrong, I'll give you a high five. I can't really give you anything else right now. Yeah. But I'd be curious to see if anybody else is a longer running AP. Nice. Uh, as for myself, of course, Michael at the RPG Academy. Almost everything I do can be found there in some place or the other. I'm most active on Twitter, but we do have a Facebook. Uh, we have the Discord, which I'm actually loving Discord. It's fantastic so if you are a follower of this show but you're not on our discord yet please consider even if you don't do discord maybe you're a little bit nervous like you don't know what discord is and you don't want to get another social platform i get it we're low maintenance there's not a ton of activity on our discord except for the one division channel right now which is getting hot but you can choose to ignore certain channels so you don't have to worry about that you can mute it so you don't get notifications but if you want to jump in and talk about a tv show favorite comic book what you're playing video game wise or maybe jump into a one-shot uh, rpg or like today we organized a, a game of dc deck builder on, on tabletop simulator is a great place to do it it's a closed community anyone can join but you have to ask me because when we first started it we just made it completely open and most people jumped in we're jerks we had to boot them all oh, so it basically asked me for an ass. invite i'll send you the invite um so we did have a question targus asked what are our favorite unconventional pc races uh, so mo i'll start with you any favorite unconventional pc races um, I also played a, a lizard man um, in a in a D and D game, and uh, I am really, I, 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 you know, I lizard men are effective. 
<laughs> they have a bite. They have armor. <laughs> I'm like, you know, if you're gonna play a game where you know it's all about you know min max and the stats on 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 racial boundaries, it's like, all right, play a lizard man. Chris, what about you? Uh, I've played a minotaur. I've played a lizard man. The one I've always wanted to play is an angel that's come back to Earth or whatever oh. planet you're on on some sort of mission, but he can't let anybody know he's an angel. We're on but a mission has, from God. Yeah, he has these 10-foot wings that he has to keep hiding somehow. I think it'd be a neat spin on something, but okay. it'd be a tough game to play, I think. What about I'm you? pretty boring because I don't play that much. Like, I'm almost always the the DM for, like, my D&D type campaigns. Uh, I really like Warforged. I don't know if they're considered unconventional. They're kind of mm. standard in a lot of places, but I just love the idea of playing Warforged. And then I like playing... Uh, like counterculture like i like playing uh, dwarven wizards or dwarven rogues and like you know elvish fighters and gnomish barbarians so just sort of like things that don't quite match up with you know the stereotypical expectations uh i have played tieflings i think they're kind of cool but uh i've never played a minotaur i've never played a a fawn or a centaur so kind of boring those those regards uh but fun question oh go ahead i played a pixie and fantasy hero but you know, I think fantasy hero is kind of cheating because it's like play what you want to play. You know, using hero system. So if you're good enough at accounting, you could build your character, <laughs> and he could do whatever you want. Um, but I, I, I had. A... So I'm sorry. I played, I played a Shih Tzu and a spin, weird spin of second edition D and D where we were all dogs. Oh, okay. That was probably <laughs> the most unique one I've ever played. <laughs> but yeah, that was an interesting game. Way nice. to escape from the pound. In, in, in a, a roll 20 system yeah it was that, all that's... second edition D D. yeah the wow. master spent hours because we all had little things like i could manipulate objects because i was the thief uh-huh so somehow my paws had a right 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 how it worked but i described it as i was picking locks with my tail uh-huh and somebody explained um, me did you guys get into fights yeah it was biting scratching okay, we had okay we had uh escape from the pound so whoever's the head of the pound i don't like the dog uh, catcher dog catcher yeah, dog yeah. catcher yeah. yeah we had to we had to fight him to get out that sounds like a nice. fun one shot yeah yeah i think that it uh, was a lot of fun all right well targers thank you for the question i uh, very much appreciate also appreciate you hanging out with us tonight uh, again if anyone's watching or listening in the future we do this every other wednesday at 9 p.m eastern uh, on the Tuesday before detention, I'm currently running a 13th age campaign called Shadow Spawns or Shadow Spawns. We still have yet to figure out which one it is, uh, that being the players of uh, where they fall. And on the alternating week, so one week from tonight, uh, Tom runs a Ghost of Saltmarsh 5E campaign. It's, he's been going on now for close to half a year, I think, or something. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's quite extensive. Uh, they're going to try to get that one to 1 to 20, and then they're going to move on to something else. Uh, and then all the things we do on here will eventually find their way to YouTube, and they'll also eventually find their way to audio-only podcast. Uh, so, Mo, one more time, where can people find you and find your work on the internet? If you want to play an anime-style RPG that's all about kind of the political intrigues amongst the guilds of Shibuya, a uh, steampunk version of uh, Tokyo, modern-day Tokyo, pick up Shibuya Nights at ashyfeed.com or... Indie Press Revolution or Drive Through RPG, and that is built on the Forged in the Dark engine. Correct. Built on the Forged in the Dark engine um, that looks a lot like uh, PBTA, powered by the apocalypse. Nice. 
if any of that makes sense to you. If it doesn't, it it, it tells you how to play it. <laughs> you need two six-sided dice. All right, Mo, well, thank you so much for joining. It was an absolute pleasure having you on. Thank you for being a, a fan of our show and a patron of ours and helping the Academy do the thing that we do. Uh, Chris, obviously, thank you as well. Uh, and bef- so Tom won't yell at me tonight. I'm going to say it. So remember, if you're having fun, you're doing, doing, it, it, right. doing it right. Awesome. Thank you both, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize, but there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy, or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.